Fishing for a show aimed at the outdoor enthusiast? Tune in to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World, Saturday at 10 a.m. and 5 p.m. Eastern on Rural Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 147, and on the Sirius XM app. Welcome in to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World, brought to you by Bass Pro Shops. If you love fishing, hunting, and the great outdoors and want to make it even better, you're in the right place with host Rob Keck. Your adventure starts right here. Good morning and welcome, and thanks for tuning in to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World, brought to you by Bass Pro Shops, where truly your adventure starts right here. I'm Rob Keck, your host. And I hope you're having a wonderful Saturday, social distancing in the great outdoors. And it's been truly amazing the number of people have discovered or, in some cases, rediscovered the great outdoors during this corona crisis. You know, the number of kids and adults out fishing over the last two months has been truly a reawakening for recreational fishing. And in many states also, there's been an uptick in the number of, of turkey hunters that went afield during that time. And, you know, with some states seeing marked increases in the sale of hunting license. And, you know, that's very much a good thing for conservation and for hunting and fishing heritage. And, you know, without question, there's lots of great fishing action and opportunities out there in the water and, and all across the country. And with fall hunting seasons now less than three months away, yes, in South Carolina, rifle deer season opens the middle of August, there's no better time to search for that new rifle, shotgun, handgun, or take it to the range to sight in, or maybe just having fun plinking targets. Also, keeping in mind, Father's Day is coming in two weeks, which means when you're looking for that perfect gift for dad or before you head to the range or to the woods or out on the water, you've got to stop on by Bass Pro Shops. Cabela's going to find the latest gear at the very best prices on everything you'll need for dad for fishing, hunting, camping, target shooting, boating, kayaking, and so much more. We've got a great show today, two outstanding guests, and for most of the show, we will have the director of the United States Fish and Wildlife Service, Aurelia Skipwith. And opening the show in our first segment, as we begin each month, we welcome back communications manager for Bass Pro Shops, Katie Mitchell. But before we meet Katie, some people might ask, what is the United States Fish and Wildlife Service? Or why is this federal agency important to outdoors men and women? Well, this agency is part of the U.S. federal government within the U.S. Department of the Interior that's dedicated to the management of fish, wildlife, and natural habitats. And the mission of this agency is working with others to conserve, protect, and enhance fish, wildlife, plants, their habitats for the continuing benefit of the American people. And among the responsibilities of the Fish and Wildlife Service are enforcing federal wildlife laws, protecting endangered species, managing migratory birds, restoring nationally significant fisheries, conserving restoring wildlife habitats such as wetlands, helping foreign governments with their international conservation efforts, and distributing monies to states, fish, and wildlife agencies through the Wildlife Sport Fish and Restoration Program. And we will learn much more about that during the show. But to get us started, the lovely person that kicks off Outdoor World the beginning of each month with news from Bass Pro Shops and the Cabela's Universe. Please welcome back my good buddy, Katie Mitchell. Katie, as always, welcome back. Oh, Rob Keck, thank you very much. And we've got lots to smile about as people are getting restrictions lifted and being able to get out and return to some sense of normalcy in many, many places. And we couldn't be happier because that seems to be just exploding in the outdoors, especially the fishing industry. Oh, it is. I mean, we have people out there, as I said in the intro, that uh, haven't fished for a long time that are out there now. We've got kids fishing for the first time. I mean, what a deal it is. And, uh, you know, moms and dads. And, of course, speaking of dads, Father's Day's coming up, too. Absolutely it is, but I want to go back real quick on that uh, uh, comment you made about the licenses. I just want to sh- throw out some numbers to, to validate this. The Future Angler Foundation has uh, record numbers of young people that are, uh, in particular, taking up fishing. For example, in just one week, the Minnesota Department of Natural Resources sold a record 13 
1,369 fishing licenses to resident teens ages 16 to 17. That's 99% higher than Ooh. a year ago for the same period. So yes, it is. And and speaking of that, what better what better present and gift to give dad to go outside and go fishing with him? Uh, he's probably the first one that taught you to bait that hook and, and, and crank a big one in. For me, it was my mother, you know, so we've already had Mother's Day to celebrate that. But yeah, dads would love nothing more than getting outside and making those memories with their, their children and even uh, even their grown children. You know, it's a great way uh, to get outside and enjoy each other's companies and make those memories to last a lifetime. And of course, Bass Pro Shops and Cabela's always has everything that you need to outfit that gear, especially for Father's Day. Everything from tackle bags to ATVs to boats. And if you can't make up your mind, there's always the uh, perfect size every time, perfect color gift oh, card man. from Bass Pro Shops and, and Cabela's. So. I can't wait. I can't wait to see what my kids are getting me because they said they've got a big surprise. But, you know, we mentioned, uh, you know, that uh, with us today is going to be the director of the uh, U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. Mm -hmm. And that ties so well to the first day of sale for the federal duck stamp, right. which is administered through the Fish and Wildlife Service. Tell us about that, Katie. Yeah, you know, for like, this would have been our 14th year to host an event at, at uh, one of our stores, as we have done to kick off the first day of sale. And unfortunately, due to uh, hotspots around the country, uh, we had selected Spanish Fort in the Mobile area to hold the event, but we're just not going to be able to do that. So we're going to do a virtual event. But yes, the federal duck stamp kicks off first day of sale, June the 20th. 26th, Friday, June the 26th. So again, we all know how important and what a critical role that plays in wildlife conservation. Um, you know, first uh, first started in 1934, they've raised more than a billion dollars and protected six million plus acres of wetlands habitat. So it's very important. And you don't have to be a duck hunter. No. By federal duck stamp. There are lots no. of collectors out there. They're so collectors. if you've never bought one, you need to go. You can pick them up at your local post office. Absolutely. And NASCAR, boy, it's been cranking up. <laughs> Tell us about uh, that NASCAR. live racing action. Yes, it's so much better. iRacing is great, but there's nothing like hearing that roar and feeling that rumble. Uh, and so I understand that fairly soon fans are going to be able to get back in the stands. Well, I can't wait. You know what? You know, it's one of the first major sports, I guess, that really came back into action. They're leading the uh, way. That's right. You know, the viewership, I mean, it was strong, and uh, it was great to hear the roar. Well, look, we got to move to our first break. Katie, thanks so much. You just do a magnificent job. Love having you here. Thanks for all that you do. But we're going to take that break, and when we return, going to meet our next guest, the director of the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, Aurelia Skipwith. And this and a whole lot more is coming right up. I'm Rob Keck, your host, right here on Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. Embrace the rustic elegance of a bygone era at Big Cedar Lodge. Located 10 miles south of Branson, Missouri, Big Cedar Lodge is a masterpiece that brings together natural beauty and contemporary luxury. Visitors are invited to explore and experience some of the most popular amenities here. At Big Cedar Lodge, you'll find casual dining options in an unparalleled atmosphere with signature dishes and local favorites highlighting classic menu items. Take in spectacular views at Devil's Pool, live entertainment at the Buzzard Bar, or relax at Truman Coffee and Cafe, all surrounded by the natural ambiance of the Ozark Mountains. One of the newest additions to the property is Cedar Creek Spa. This 18,000-square-foot world-class spa is a private oasis with soothing pools, fireplaces, and a full-service salon. In addition to the complete spa experience, there are private suites available. All of these features make Big Cedar an ideal destination for weddings, corporate gatherings, and more. Families have been visiting Big Cedar Lodge for generations, looking to experience what many call a little piece of heaven on earth. To learn more, visit BigCedar.com or call 1-800-BC-LODGE. Back to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World on Rural Radio, Sirius XM. And welcome back to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. If you've just tuned in, we're introducing our next guest. Well, during this past year, President Donald Trump nominated Aurelia Skipwith as the director of the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, and on December 12, 2019, the United States Senate confirmed her nomination. 
She previously served as Deputy Assistant Secretary for Fish, Wildlife, and Parks in the Department of Interior. And she began her career working with Monsanto, where she worked her way up from a lab technician to Sustainable Agricultural Partnership Manager. After Monsanto, Ms. Skipwith worked directly as a research and legal intern with the USDA and eventually moved on as an international property consultant for USAID. Well, following that, she worked as a global animal nutrition provider and then later co-founded an agricultural consulting firm, AVC Global, where she worked as general counsel. Well, I can tell you, as a professional member of the Boone and Crockett Club, I personally am in full support of the club's approval and the applauding of the Senate's confirmation of Ms. Skipwith as director of the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. And as I've stated on previous shows, the club has a long time worked with the service to, to benefit our nation's fish and wildlife and lands and waters that they need to thrive as done so. The agency was created over 100 years ago. Aurelia Skipwith is the right person at the right time to lead the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. Please welcome to Outdoor World, the 22nd Director of the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, Aurelia Skipwith. Director Skipwith, welcome and thanks for joining us right here on Outdoor World. Rob, thank you so much for that introduction. And it is such an honor to uh, be here on the radio with you today. So, so thank you very much and thank you for the support that uh, Boone and Crockett, you know, Bass Pro Shops have given me, uh, the Fish and Wildlife Service, Department of Interior, um, since this administration began. Well, it is an honor for us. And, you know, some might ask, where did you grow up and, and what led you to have an interest in the outdoors and conservation? Yeah, so I grew up in Indianapolis, Indiana. So I'm a Midwestern girl, but I say that I have some Southern flair. So... <laughs> My mom, yeah, so my mom and dad um, and the rest of the family uh, were from Columbus, Mississippi, and they all stayed down there. And so my summers and were spent in Mississippi, and I really enjoyed that time with my family because that's when I got to spend a lot of time with my grandpa. And you would always find me hanging out with him. Um, he had a hog farm. Um, he had a garden, so I was always outdoors uh, with him, helping him out. And one of the other things that I enjoyed was he he loved to hunt, and he had his he had his hound dog. And one thing he was very careful on who came into the house, but he sure <laughs> let those dogs stay in the house with him. <laughs> so um, they're really. There really was that appreciation um, for the outdoors um, from just the livelihood to that was just a way of life. That was part of life. Um, yeah, so, well, you know, I saw some pictures in the Boone and Crockett, the latest Boone and Crockett magazine that uh, that showed you out there in the field hunting. And, uh, you know, golly day, give us a little bit about that experience a little bit more. Uh, going with your grandpa with the hound dogs, I can relate to that myself. Yeah, so that's one of my recent trips that I just went on. And though I I work really hard and, and grateful for all the great people at the service, it's nice every once in a while to to take the weekend away and, and went down to Texas, and that was on a quail and a feral hog hunt. Um, and so had an absolutely uh, wonderful time. It was a blast. And I was really, really surprised about how many feral hogs that they had out there. Um, oh, yeah. So there was, there was a, lot to, uh, a lot to do, and I actually look forward to it. I really do look forward to, to going back and, and doing that again. Maybe I'll choose another state to go to, though. <laughs> Well, they do, and they have a feral, pro you know, hog problem. And of course, you know, you having worked in agriculture, you know how destructive they can be to to cropland and uh, even to woodlands. And uh, you know, it's a real challenge that I think that uh, many of us in the conservation arena, in the ag arena, are really having to deal with. And you know, you mentioned fishing as well. Give us a maybe an experience fishing that uh, that you've had. Yeah, 
Yeah, it's funny too when you ask about, you know, the different experiences I have. And it's usually the ones that are the most vivid are the ones either that I've had as a young kid or the ones that I've most recently gone on. Um, but I'll let you know the first one, the first fish, fishing trip that I remember going on was with my Uncle Joe. And he was actually my, my great uncle, but it's just easier when you use, you know, uncle and, and cut things <laughs> short. But, sure. And so there was a, a state park uh, that was probably about 30 minutes away from, from home, from Indianapolis. And so he took us down there. Um, and at the end of the day, he looked over at me, and I'm, I'm about five years old. And he's like, Aurelia, you caught the biggest fish. And I was like, <laughs> oh, thank you, Uncle Joe. And then I looked at him, and I was like, you know I'm the only one that caught a fish. <laughs> so, but it, well, was, it was the yeah, it's just like the experience of being with my, I mean, my favorite uncle, being with my family, um, and just and just having that time, and then you know taking it home and and um, it was it was yep. something that's memorable. And those are the types of experiences that I want young boys and girls uh, to have too. And that's what we're here to do at the Fish and Wildlife Service. Well, you're doing a great job with it. And, you know, during this uh, COVID pandemic, you know, we've seen that spike in fishing license sales and participation. And you know what? There's a whole lot of those little five-year-olds and six-year-olds that are out there for the first time doing exactly what you did with your great uncle. And what, you know, what a silver lining maybe this is to to the crisis that we're, we've been dealing with. Well, we're just about out of time here in this segment, and I want to come back to this. But, you know, looking at your position now, I want you to come back as soon as we come back from the break to tell us a little bit about your professional background and that path to this current position that you're in. I mean, it's, it's really awesome. So when we come back, I want you to talk about that. We're going to take this break, and we return going to continue our visit with the director. This and a whole lot more coming right up. And I'm Rob Keck, your host here in Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. Thanks for joining us, and we will be right back. Years ago, sportsmen led the first revolt to save what was left of North America's dwindling wildlife resources, and it took purpose and commitment. This crusade began with Theodore Roosevelt's forming the Boone and Crockett Club in 1887. Since then, sportsmen and women have been at the forefront of every environmental revolution in this country, providing the vision, funding, and manpower to establish and run what has become the most successful system of wildlife management in the history of mankind. Yet, to this day, our story remains relatively unknown, especially to those who don't hunt or fish. We must tell this story, but we need to do more than that. We must insist that others who claim to be conservationists but work tirelessly on campaigns to end all hunting honestly examine the evidence and then ask themselves where would the wildlife they cherish be without sportsmen's dollars and without sportsmen's efforts. Conservation had a beginning, but it has no end. To learn more, visit booneandcrocketclub.com. Back to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World on Rural Radio, Sirius XM. And welcome back to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. Thanks for joining us here. And we are visiting with the 22nd Director of the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, Aurelia Skipwith. Tell us about your career path. Tell us, uh, you know, that background. I know in your introduction I, I mentioned a few things, but, uh, you know, there's so many people looking at the director, the the person that got there, and they're saying, man, how could I do that? How could I be there like her one day? Tell us about that journey. Yeah, so my journey started, I would say, you know, as just as a young girl, being interested in outdoors and wildlife and following that path. So um, in undergrad, I studied biology, started school in, in Kentucky at Moorhead State University, and then I transferred to Howard University here in Washington, D.C., where I got my, my bachelor's. And then I, during my undergrad, I, I had a few experiences, a study abroad, but it was focused on biological research. Um, and really, really 
enjoyed the innovation and being able to discover uh, new science and methodologies, and and it was kind of like never knowing what was going to happen. So that's why I got my master's in molecular genetics and animal sciences from Purdue University um, and was excited because I knew that that was the field that I was going to go into was, was biology and ended up working at Monsanto and was very privileged and honored to have had that position because it was about using the scientific technologies to help people. Um, and it was helping people and the environment at the same time. It's, it's using the environment, it's productivity, making sure that things are safe. And that's what you're doing in that laboratory research. And then I transitioned over to corporate affairs. And that was a huge learning curve for me. Um, coming from the science world where you have everything that's based in science and then being able to communicate that message and would say that that helped me um, in my role today because sometimes people are always looking for what is that message and having it based in that science uh, really was what drove what I was doing. And at the same time, I found out working um, on a project to develop crops for underdeveloped countries in Africa that we couldn't bring in the crops that were the same crops that we were using here in the U.S. And it was because of laws and regulations that they had in place that prevented that from happening. Yeah. So I went to law school. Um, I wow. figured if you, don't ha if, if you have the best science in the world and you can't use it, then what good is it? Mm -hmm. So I got my law degree. Um, and became uh, assistant corporate counsel over at an all-natural agriculture company in Kentucky. So I got my law degree from U University of Kentucky. Um, and then after I was there for a year, ended up landing here at Department of Interior as deputy assistant secretary. Wow. What a, what a path. That is amazing. Well, you're the first African-American director in the history in the history of the Fish and Wildlife Service. What does that mean to you, and why is it an important milestone for our nation? No, Bob, thank you. For, you know, that, that, it means a lot. And I really look at it in the perspective of seeing how far that we've come in this, in this country. I look at my mom, and she picked cotton on her way to becoming one of the first black women to graduate from the University uh, College of Women in Mississippi. And then for me to get my degrees and then become director of the Fish and Wildlife Service, um, being nominated by the president, not just once, but, but <laughs> twice. And that, and that, that speaks, that speaks volumes of what, we have accomplished what this president is accomplishing for the American people. And if you look at where we're at today and the tragic killing of George Floyd in Minnesota, we know that there's still much more to do, but coming together to get there is the only way that's going to happen. Yeah. And so um, I can, I can tell you from speaking with my mother that We've come a really long way, and I'm thankful for the leadership of the president and of the secretary, um, and that we're going to get there. Yep. You know, I saw a picture with you and your mother when you were sworn in. What was it like to be joined by your mother with her holding the family Bible as you took the oath of office administered by Vice President Mike Pence? What was that like? Uh, so now you're trying to make me cry. <laughs> uh, that was, that's been the highlight of my life. Um, that is such a huge accomplishment for the family. Um, so grew up in church. Um, that's always been the centerpiece of the family. And one of the things that... Uh, was in a conversation before coming out 
to take the to take the oath. And I was telling the vice the vice president, you know, who's you know from my hometown, former congressman and former governor. Uh, so that meant a lot to have him swear me in. And he made a comment about how worn the family Bible was. And I was like, my mom is a prayer warrior. So, so he asked if, and this was after the event started, if she would be willing to, to give, a, give a prayer. And she blessed the audience and the whole ceremony before we started. Oh my gosh. And that just meant, oh my that gosh. meant so much to me. And it just completely changed. You could see it just changed um, the whole environment and tone. But it meant a lot for my mom to be there, to hold the Bible, and to bless everyone that was there that day. How special is that? I mean, this this is so moving. And, you know, this is what America needs. And you've touched on something there that uh, I think is so important to our country. And to have your mother, the family Bible, the vice president, I mean, all those things combined— what a symbol. I looked at that picture and I thought, how proud your mother must be of you. Well, look, we've got so much to talk about. I don't know if we'll ever get to everything I want to discuss with you, but we got to take our next break. <laughs> when we return, we're going to continue our visit with Director Skip with this and much more coming right up. And I'm Rob Kacking. You're listening to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World, and we will be right back. Sirius XM's Rural Radio is your guide to the agricultural markets. Where expert analysts and traders join our discussion live. Your information. Open up the farm and the challenges we face. You can learn how to do it for yourself. Rural Radio, your gateway to the rural lifestyle. The latest information about hunting, fishing, and more. Rural Radio is the leader in Western sports. We talk about the latest in Western sports. Professional rodeo, bull riding. Sirius XM's Rural Radio. 147. Or listen on your phone when you get out of your car with the Sirius XM app. In 1912, Theodore Roosevelt said, There can be no greater issue than that of conservation in this country. More than a century later, his statement has never been more meaningful. The Theodore Roosevelt Conservation Partnership promotes Roosevelt's commitment to the sporting life by guaranteeing that all Americans have quality places to hunt and fish. Visit trcp.org to learn more and take action. Back to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World on Rural Radio, Sirius XM. And welcome back to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. If you've just tuned in, we are with the 22nd Director of the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, Aurelia Skipwith. I know you've got many priorities, and you know, when I listen to that background of going from science to law to, you know, being an industry, you know, you've, you've developed such a background and bringing that to the service, I think, is so important. Why don't you share with us what those top priorities are that you want to accomplish as director? So through the leadership of President Trump and Secretary Bernhardt, the service, we are focused on bringing balanced, effective, science-based conservation. And one of the mottos that I have is that it's based on science, that we will operate within the law, and then you've got to have a little thing called common sense. And so that Amen. is how the framework is, is, is set up here. And we are working hard uh, looking at what regulatory changes that we can make, uh, making sure that we don't have overly burdensome regulations and, and policies. We want to make sure that what we're putting out is is clear and transparent and not something that's confusing or creating red tape for the American people. It's about improving and creating and developing partnerships, especially partners that we haven't engaged with before. Um, it's about stimulating more effective conservation on the ground, and that happens through, through partners. There's only so many people that the service has and only so many hours in the day, but we know that the private landowners um, that are there, where a lot of our species are at, those are the people that we must and that we will engage with because uh, our goal is 
We want to help species before they need federal protection. Mm-hmm. Well, you've you've knocked it out of the park with uh, being right on target. You know, I think some time ago uh, I heard you mention that uh, in addition to what you've just talked about, another one of those priorities is, is growing the conservation constituency. Uh, I'm really interested in that. Talk to us a little bit about how the service works to maybe expand the engagement in conservation and recreation with, with new constituencies. Yeah, and that is something that we are, are laser-focused on, on here, and it goes along with our priorities of creating and expanding opportunities for hunting, fishing, and other recreational activities. And so since this administration began, and President Trump and Secretary Bernhardt has been focused on um, outdoor recreation and expanding access, we have opened uh, over one point, last year was 1.7 million acres. And this year we have proposed to open and expand 2.3 million acres. And part of that is we're going to those areas that typically weren't opened. Um, and so that's reaching the base of people that wouldn't have otherwise been engaged. So just by our actions of finding ways to make our lands more accessible, we're able to reach uh, those, those people that we haven't before. And then also, we have, we have 568 units within um, our refuge system. And of those, 101 are urban refuges. And so that interface where you have over 80% of the population here in the U.S. living in cities, that enables us to start engaging with people um, in the urban centers that we haven't done before. And being able to identify key groups that can help us bridge that gap with um, the public that we would have otherwise not been able to do. So we are focused on building those partnerships. And then, Rob, if you are ever in D.C., I invite you to stop by my office because um, on my floor I have this cow hide. And the reason why I have the cow hide, and it's a beautiful brindle, um, and it's because it represents the private landowners and how we must engage with them, knowing that over 60% of endangered and threatened species are on those private lands. If we're able to get to recovery, it's because we built those relationships, enabling working lands to stay working, um, enabling private landowners to, to have their livelihood, and we are creating that balance. Wow. That is, it's really, really awesome. And, you know, we've got to get this word out to the general public. I don't think people understand. In fact, I guarantee you there's probably some listeners out there asking, okay, how does the Fish and Wildlife Service support hunting and fishing? Just a real simple question. Can you give us maybe just a quick answer to that? Yeah, so what we've done is, is when funds are generated through equipment purchases, such as when you're looking at the revenue from state license and tax purchase purchases, they constitute the overwhelming majority of funding for wildlife conservation in North America. So you also have the, the duck stamp, for example. And we have, through the duck stamp, we've been able to have billions of dollars that then go for the conservation of land and it goes back into the conservation for those species and labeling healthy populations, healthy populations for people to go out um, for hunting. And then also those same areas um, for fishing too. And so that's what we're, we're doing. It's, it's the hunters and the anglers have really led the way when it comes to conservation. And we're making sure that we're providing public access through their, um, through their dollars that they're putting in. Yep. Well, you know, uh, during the first segment, uh, Katie Mitchell mentioned that, uh, you know, first day of sale of the federal duck stamp coming right up, and we've done this, gosh, the last seven, eight years at Bass Pro Shops. Of course, by the 
the the COVID uh, situation. We're doing it uh, virtually this year, and uh, again, right there goes I think over a billion dollars, if I'm correct, uh, generated just through yeah. the sale of those duck stamps. All of it going for the kind of things that are going to help improve hunting and fishing. Well, look. <laughs> we got so much to talk about, but we're out of time in this segment, so we're going to take our next break. We return, going to continue our inspiring visit with Director Skip with right here on Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. This is Rob Kink, and we will be right back. We all have it. Whether it was passed down from our fathers or grandfathers, we knew it was there, inside us. That need that longing to walk among the wild. But it's more than just our love of the outdoors that keeps us coming back. It's knowing we serve a purpose to give more than we take. That we're here to carry on a legacy and become stewards of our wildlife. This place embodies that legacy with over a mile and a half of walkable trails and 35,000 live fish, mammals, reptiles, amphibians, and birds to teach and inspire. Stop and you'll feel it. Listen and you'll hear it. Asking you to share the wonder. The Wonders of Wildlife National Museum and Aquarium. Share the wonder. Back to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World on Rural Radio, Sirius XM. And we are back. And thanks for tuning into Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. And if you've just tuned in, I'll tell you, we've been having a wonderful, inspiring, and educational visit with the 22nd Director of the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, Aurelia Skipwith. You know, you mentioned about Secretary Bernhardt and the number of acres uh, that has been opened up in our refuges for access for hunting and angling. Why don't you give us that number again? We've got some people maybe have just tuned in. This is so monumental. It is so major. Give us that number of acres that you guys have opened up just here in the last three years. Yeah, um, and when we add it to what will be finalized this year, since President Trump has come in, it will be 4 million acres. So last year we opened and expanded 1.7 million acres. The year before that, it was 350,000 acres. And then this year, what is proposed is 2.3 million acres, which is historic. We have never, in the Fish and Wildlife Service history, never have that many acres been opened or expanded for hunting and fishing. Great news, great news. Well, lots of exciting events, milestones happening at the service uh, in the coming weeks uh, that deal with hunting and fishing. Can you share some other good news? Somebody tipped me off there were some other things that might be coming out. Can you share? Uh, I know you've got some good, more good news you'd like to share with our listeners. Yeah, so we're excited that it's June, um, and we're going to be celebrating Great Outdoors Month. And so it's a time when Americans celebrate the beginning of summer, getting outdoors and enjoying nature. And what better time than, than right now? Um, and then also, we have, we'll be celebrating the National Fish and Boating Week. Um, that is coming up. And that provides another opportunity for the public to get outdoors and enjoy our nation's aquatic resources. And so there's there's a few things to, <laughs> to keep your eye out on, and and we'll keep it we'll keep people posted. Yeah, well, that's exciting. Great outdoors month, but you know it brings up a question. You know, with so many things having been put on hold, so many things closed down at present time, given the the COVID nineteen situation, are refuge lands open now across the country? Through the COVID-19 pandemic, I am proud to say that the service worked really, really hard to keep our lands open for people to visit. So very, very few places were ever closed during this time. Um, And so I'll say before anyone goes out, make sure that you go online to www.fws.gov and check your local um, refuge to see if they are 
um, open. I will say maybe the visitor center might not be open, but we worked hard to make sure that our lands were. Awesome. Awesome. Well, has COVID-19 impacted your work to achieve the mission of the service? You know, with so many things that have been put on hold, uh, I get a feeling that you've got some good news there as well. I, I do. And I'm so proud of the way that the service has come together to deliver on our message. And one of the things that some people might find surprising, and I hear it from my team, is we've been more productive. Um, we've been able to use technology for us to be able to communicate. Um, we've had um, agreements with states when it comes to delivering um, fish. We've been able to meet all of those, meet the deadlines and the goals that were set, you know, unless there was an extreme circumstance. But throughout this time, um, we've been able to continue the mission of the Fish and Wildlife Service, and we've seen people um, respond to that by going out and, and visiting our land during this time. i tell you, the reports so that we've had... Yeah, uh-huh. been been powerful. The number of people that have been out there just hiking, exploring, that that uh, you know, for whatever reason, the past just never did that, and uh, that is, it's just it's great. I think that uh, we have gotten a reawakening of the great outdoors, and uh, by keeping those refuges open, you've assisted that in such a big way, and I salute you on that on that work. Thank you. So even though it was, you know, COVID-19 has, um, you know, wreaked havoc, I will say that if we're trying to find that silver lining, it's knowing that we still have nature as it's always been there. But now the benefit for people to see it when you're stuck indoors and you just want to go outside, for us to be that refuge for people. Yep. Well, Director, what's the agency's approach or what has the the approach been to conservation? You know, the word conservation for many people maybe has different meetings, meanings. And why don't you just share with us the Fish and Wildlife Service approach to conservation? Yeah, so I, I say let's you know taking a step back and and looking at the big picture of conservation. So for Secretary Bernhardt and I. You know, when it comes to conservation, it's the importance of, of working in partnership with private landowners, with, with industry. And it's regardless of how that term conservation is, because our goal at the end of the day is to make sure that we're improving on the species, improving on the habitat on which they depend. And that's what success is. Um, and so people might have a slight um, nuanced definition, but if our end goal is how do we help um, and how do we also get our sports women and men out there, um, then, then we can make conservation. Um, that's our approach to, to conservation here at the department yeah. and at the service. Well, it is just, uh, you know, it's refreshing to hear you say that and, uh, I hate to tell you, we're out of time on this segment once again. We're going to have to take our final break of the show. I got a couple more questions. I'm going to try to get in here before we run out of time at the end, but uh, hold that thought because we will continue this conversation and uh, a whole lot more coming right up. And you're listening to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. This is Rob Keck, and we will be right back. This is a public service announcement test from TakeMeFishing.org to determine if you need a fishing license and boat registration before heading out on the water. Let's begin. Are you a bear? Do you have a beak? Does your name rhyme with old beagle? Do you dart in front of cars? Here's a tough one. Do you have plumage? Do you rub your body against things to mark them? Do you have webbed feet? No, I mean like a... Were you hatched? Do you have fur? I'm not talking back hair. 
does your boat fly south for the winter with the other boats? Regardless of how you answer, you need to be licensed and registered because it helps local conservation efforts protect the very natural resources you enjoy boating and fishing in for generations to come. Do your part at TakeMeFishing.org. Back to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World on Rural Radio, Sirius XM. And welcome back to our final segment of Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. And we've been having just a wonderful and educational visit with the 22nd Director of the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, Aurelia Skipwith. You know, you were talking about, uh, in that last segment, the agency's approach to conservation and uh, refreshing to hear uh, the approach that you've taken. How has all that philosophy and approach translated into how you're managing wildlife and implementing the Endangered Species Act? And as many of us know, it's one of our nation's bedrock environmental policies. Share something with us on that. Yeah, and the Endangered Species enacted over 40 years ago um, is the, the preeminent um, conservation law that exists. And one of the things that we see here is our goal is not the number of species that are on the list. Our goal is for the species that are on the list to come off the list. And it's really about recovery. And so our goal here is we're not going to wait until a species is listed. Our goal is to proactively work, which means working with states, working with other federal agencies, private landowners, conservation groups, industry, to ensure that we don't have to we don't have to get to that spot of listing. But once they are listed, it's coming together to put the appropriate frameworks in place. So that we can get them, we can get them off. And for the ones that are on the list, you know, it's about focusing um, the activities that people put on the ground, that the services is is implementing, so that are that we're fiscally responsible, um, and that we're putting our resources in the appropriate places, so that we can reach recovery. Um, and so we're working hard every day uh, to keep species from getting on the list. But once we're on, our goal is to get them off the list. Well, it is so important. And you know, another thing that's important, and this is something I'd love to visit with you more in the future, and that is once they are off that list, that we really let the American public know uh, what a job it has been. To, to get them removed, what it's taken to get them uh, to the recovered situation. And I think back, uh, gosh, 15 or more years ago, when our nation's symbol, the bald eagle, was delisted. And, you know, front page news all across the country, you know, the, the bald eagle delisted from the endangered species list. But unfortunately, the name hunters was used in a negative way. The only time it was listed in that front page story was they were part of the demise. They were listed with DDT and never a mention about them paying for that recovery. So I hope that at all levels of, uh, of conservation, whether with our state agencies or with the Fish and Wildlife Service, that we then can take and really expound and market the great success stories of all these people that work for the service, that work in conservation, that have done a tremendous job in bringing back wildlife and uh i just that's one of my wishes that that's there obviously you place a lot of value on family family-owned private lands which you've mentioned how much emphasis are you and the administration placing on working with those private landowners to accomplish mutual conservation goals you've touched on it share with us just a little bit more all right so simply put we we can't secure the future of our native wildlife and habitat without engaging and accommodating the needs of the people and the communities who share the landscape uh, with that with the wildlife. And that's part of the conservation goal, which means that we must work with private landowners. And when you think about we have more than 1,600 threatened and endangered plants and animals in the U.S., um, and they rely on those private lands, 
then that means working with families, family-owned private lands to, to reach that, that recovery. And that is, that is something that's paramount to the service, and it's something that has been recognized um, by the president and by the secretary. Yeah. Well, what can organizations like Ducks Unlimited, Boone and Crockett, the National Wild Turkey Federation, the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, so many other NGOs out there, what can they do to help achieve your mission? So I, I appreciate that, com- that, that question because it's working in partnership with the organizations that you've, that you've listed um, and the service, even entering into, you know, memorandums of understanding of what are projects that we can work on together to accomplish conservation um, goals for certain species or for for habitat. And knowing that there's that welcome and that invitation, that means so much. And as I've said in a couple of talks that I've that I've given two different groups of, we want to work in partnership, and that's what I'm here to make that to make sure that 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 happens. Well, I know you're going to get there. You've done just a tremendous job in working those partnerships. Partnerships have been really the hallmark of conservation success, and uh, being open to working with with those uh, different non-governmental organizations is is so important to the future how about a how about and one more final thing i might add sure uh, one more thing i it. might add is please 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 keep purchasing your hunting and fishing equipment that is at the core of conservation happening and one more thing we just finalized probably about a month ago the duck stamp and on the duck stamp it is now going to be a permanent thing of having hunting on there. Wow. And that is something, yeah, so, and that is true homage to the hunters who we recognize are at the heart of conservation. And Bless so that you. And our thank you for hunters. Oh, man, I'll tell you what, there's a lot of people right now with big smiles on their faces that are listening to this show. <laughs> well, look, we've only got about 40 seconds left. How about a final thought you'd like to share with our listeners? Thank you for the American public support. We are here. Our, our goal is to be transparent. We're using the best available science to uh, make our decisions and looking forward to working with you guys further. Thank you so much. Thanks for being with us today. Congratulations on your conservation leadership. What a wonderful story and, and what a wonderful future we have. So best wishes, good luck on addressing those many challenges that we have before us and God bless you. Well, folks, that's going to wrap it up here today on Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. I'm Rob Keck. On behalf of Bass Pro Shops, your adventure always starts right here. Thanks for answering the call. That call to conservation and preserving our rich hunting, fishing, and trapping heritage. We'll see you next week. This has been Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. Talking all things outdoors. Brought to you by Bass Pro Shops, your outdoor leader. Join us next Saturday and every Saturday for more special guests and unique locations.